your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with the Western Bulldogs, Lawrence Spark, AFL Europe's Lisa Wilson, Chicks Talking Footies, Danae Gibson, and the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. G'day, I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, sixth episode of 2018, our 97th podcast overall. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program, Wednesday evenings, 6pm, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival, Digital Radio Melbourne and via the RSN Racing and Sport app. And for all the latest women's footy news, head along to girlsplayfooty.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. An announcement was made this week that the round four clash between the Western Bulldogs and Carlton Blues will be known as the AFLW Pride Game. The announcement was made Wednesday morning, the 7th of February at the Pride of Our Footscray Community Bar in Barclay Street. On hand were the CEOs of the Western Bulldogs and Carlton, as well as Western Bulldogs footballer Hannah Scott and Carlton captain Brianna Davey. First of all, we'll hear from Hannah Scott and what the game means to her. It means quite a lot to me. Um, obviously, I am out as well, and it means a lot to my partner as well. And obviously, as a, a wider range of the community, and you know, to, for the Bulldogs and Carlton to back this and. You know, as I said on stage, I'm I'm so proud to be a part of the Western Bulldogs and, you know, pulling on that jumper is going to be something that, that I'll remember forever. And what do you think the impact of a game like this can have? Uh, well, the possibilities are, are endless, really. You know, there's so many people out there that, that struggle through this, you know, every single day and it affects not just the person but the family, the friends, you know, it, it affects everyone. So this could, you know, really change history really you know with, with how it brings all these issues to light and you know it, it keeps the conversation going we as I said we had marriage equality which is a massive breakthrough but you know if we stop now then you know those sort of things get forgotten so we just need to make sure that you know we keep this stuff going. Carlton captain Brianna Davey was also asked what this match means to her. Personally uh, you know it's massive I'm so excited about it um, obviously um, I'm a gay person myself, and um, I think you know we can obviously put you know, on a on a I guess again a sporting platform. We have the ability to really um, make make a difference, make a change, and um, you know to really make sure that people feel included and belong. And I think that's the point of this round. And obviously, alongside the Bulldogs, I think uh, we're both really proud to um, be involved with it. And from a personal level, I'm stoked to be part of it. Were you disappointed that the club didn't take a come out and strongly campaign in favour of marriage equality? Yeah. Look. Um, I guess I can't comment too much on that. It's more so for me the personal experiences I've had there and at the club they've been absolutely fantastic and they've really stuck true to those values of being included and feeling like you belong and, and I know a lot of the girls would echo that and um, I can honestly say that if I felt differently I would, I would say it right here and right now but um, no I don't. I don't feel differently about that. I've really loved Carlton and I know that they're massively strong supporters in it. And Brett, they've announced obviously there'll be special jumpers for the game. Have you decided you're going to keep that as a personal memento for how much it means to you? Or are you looking at uh, auctioning it off for charity, particularly for an LGBTIQ charity? Look, that's probably a good idea. I haven't thought about it too much yet. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be a really special jump for us all. And I guess what each individual chooses to do with it is their own business. But, um, yeah, I mean, cool idea. Maybe I'll, I'll do that and, yeah, charity off. We'll see. <laughs> The AFLW Pride game will be played in round four on Friday the 23rd of February at VU Witten Oval in Footscray.
between the Western Bulldogs and Carlton Blues. The game commences at 5 past 7 local time and will be shown nationally on Fox Footy throughout the world on watch.afl and also via afl.com.au and the AFL Women's app. And also Joy FM, the gay community station, will be at the game as well with a special broadcast. For more details on that, we've got an article at girlsplayfooty.com. To our special guest for this week from the Western Bulldogs. Some of you also might know her as a champion ruck with the Melbourne University Muggers in the VFL Women's Competition, or more famously for playing with the Wimbledon Hawks in the AFL London Women's Competition. It's great to have on the line Lauren Spark. Sparky, how are you? Great, thanks, Pete. Thank you. More famous than the uh, Wimbledon Hawks, eh? It's been a while since we spoke to you, and when we did, you were playing at the Wimbledon Hawks, and my life's changed in the space of two years. Uh, yeah, it has. It's changed quite a bit. Um, obviously, had an amazing time over in London and, and playing with those girls over there and um, got involved in, in a heap of heap of sport over there, and they're going great guns with their AFL 9s and, um, and the 18 side comp over there. But, yeah, for... The last year I've been back, it's um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. It's uh, slowly, well, I'm, I'm back into um, life again and, and back working and, and yeah, and training and playing full time. So it's been it's been awesome. Is it almost a jolt to the system, you know, playing friendly social football in Wimbledon and then a couple of months later you're having to go full tilt with training and, and going to be playing on the national stage? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very very different um, kind of atmosphere and um, culture, I guess. Uh, as much as I loved being overseas and that, it was a social side of things which I loved being over there on my own and and socially training and playing with the guys as well. So, um, but yeah, and then to come back here into the elite professional environment and um, it's yeah full time training and you got to kind of do the right things, eat the right things, recover properly. It's um, yeah, it's been a it's been an adjust that's for sure. Compared to season one, what has the intensity been like of training for AFLW season two? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely picked up. Uh, we've got um, we've yeah we've had to obviously the first season all of us the whole whole twenty seven of us uh, had no idea what to expect and and every club didn't know what to expect. So um, we we know what's expected now and we're obviously pushing and uh, after a lot more of that expectation now. So um, we've kind of conditioned ourselves to how we work and, and our work-life balance as well um, is is part of the juggle with us. So um, we're, we're able to manage that a lot better. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's just become uh, a little bit more tougher, I guess, because of, of what we know we need to do and um, how we have to be and, and act, I guess. How much of a morale booster has it been to the side to finally have a fit and fully firing captain in Katie Brennan? Oh, it's it's amazing. She's um, she's obviously uh, an outstanding leader, and uh, I know personally it would have it would have killed her being on the sidelines last year, and um, to see her through the VFL season and I'm playing against her, and she had an amazing season then through the winter, and uh, to see her back training now and and in amongst the group and. Um, just an amazing vibe to have her back and hopefully she, she stays fit and, and um, okay through the whole season because she's definitely a massive contributor to, to our team. We talk a lot about the Western Bulldogs midfield, but much is not talked about when it comes to height with the Western Bulldogs. Well, you've got a lot of tall timber. <laughs> Yourself, Tiana yeah. Ernst, Astor O'Connor and Elise Gamble, all who have played ruck. 
Yeah, yeah, we do. We've actually snuck in a another, well, probably our tallest girl now as well. We've got Kim Rennie in there with um, a lot of height. 181, I think she stands at. So she's uh, ex-basketballer, so she's come across as well. So adds even more more height to it, which is uh, which is awesome for us. And, and we push each other. We end up um, in most kind of uh, drills and rotations together. And um, we're, we're all pushing each other um, in those kind of taller, bigger roles that, that need to be filled. So it's, it's been good. It's been great. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the number one draft pick in Easy Huntington, but I want your view of her because you would have seen her from her younger days being a junior mugger coming up through the system. Yeah, Izzy is... She's she's an all-rounder. She's um, obviously an amazing footballer and um, everyone's spoken about that. And But I think there's so much more to her than just that. The the way she carries herself, the way she, she speaks... Um, yeah, how genuine her her personality and her love for the game is 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 probably more to the point of her, but just being a great footballer. And I think that's kind of what makes her so kind of well well rounded. Sorry, um, yeah, it just her, her ability to to come into a group at such a young age at at um, yeah eighteen. I've the the maturity she's showing is is far beyond beyond her years. As we know, every player is given an exit interview at the end of the season for things to work on. When you sat down with Paul Groves at the end of the 2017 AFLW season, what did he want to see from you when it came to improvement? Um, there's always there's always things to improve on, but I think, and I know in myself as well what I need to work on, but probably more so between him and I, um, I guess being a bit more assertive and aggressive um, as being one of the tall players is, is something I need to continually work on and uh, make sure that I that I'm becoming aggressive in those contested situations and crashing packs and um, yeah taking on the game a bit more than than what I have been. Because of it being such a short season, you get put to the test fairly early. We're coming into round two now. You're on the road on Sunday to take on the Brisbane Lions, who were runners up last year, and then you got a six day break. You're on the road again to Adelaide after that to take on the reigning premiers. Mm, yeah, it's um, it's a very different uh, looking fixture for us this year, but we're we're wrapped with with that. We um, we had our last couple of away games towards the end of the season, um, but I find that the road trips and the away games um, are a really great time for the team to get together and and the coaching staff are away from normality and where you're at here in Melbourne and and to get away together, it just it just brings the group a lot closer together. So we're we're pretty wrapped to to get away for the first those first um, two games no, first two away games sorry round two and three um, and to then face obviously Brisbane and Adelaide uh, obviously the grand finalists last year is, is going to be um, a tough task for us but um, we're we're definitely up for it and and can't wait to to see those teams just looking ahead for a moment to the VFLW season, it's going to look completely different to what it has in, in years gone by now with the AFL clubs and one VFL club entering sides into the competition. Uh, your Melbourne Uni Muggers still exist. They've just got a closer alignment now with North Melbourne. Have you made a decision yourself on what you'll be doing for 2018 if you'll play again with the Muggers or like some now start to play with the Western Bulldogs Spurs-aligned uh, VFLW team? Yeah, it's obviously a um, hot topic at the moment, but my, me personally, my self focus is, is getting through uh, the yeah this season with the Bulldogs. Um, 
slight injury at the start of the season and missed the practice game with with a quad injury. So for me, it's just getting through this season. Um, I've not spoken to any teams. I'm I'm not approaching any teams. I'm I'm just going to see how my form rides out for this season. And um, it is a big year for the girls and me being one of the older girls. Um, it definitely took its toll towards the end of last season. So I won't be looking to to play um, the whole season. That's for sure. And I, where I'm playing, I I'm still yet to yet to decide. During 2017, you had the honour of being an assistant coach for the GB Swans at IC17, uh, and they managed to finish third on debut. A terrific result. Can you describe your experience uh, putting on the coach's bib and, and guiding a new side into the tournament? Yeah, um, I absolutely love that that role, and um, hopefully, I can still remain involved going forward to 2020. But to to be involved with that group of girls um, come together from from all over um, the UK is was just was just unbelievable and to have them all come over and their their love and passion for the game with limited resources and and I guess coaching and uh, facilities over overseas the stuff they're managing to do and the work they're putting in to to grow our game and continue to to play um, is is just phenomenal so it's, it was such a good good part to be around again it just brings you back to kind of why you play football and um back when it was kind of um grassroots level and and just beginning out and yeah so they're they're just an amazing bunch to be around and and three weeks um yeah through melbourne and and playing games and kind of exploring the city together um was awesome and on, on the coaching side of things uh as an assistant coach i um i threw out small comments here and there but um, I think they were just kind of happy to have, uh, I guess, someone else around that was was doing the professional, uh, or was a part of the professional environment with the Bulldogs and, and can pass on tips and tricks for that. So they they did it all themselves. Got got into um, yeah the three v four playoff and managed to come away with a third place, which we were absolutely wrapped with. You just talked about then about being a more pure football. Did you find that you probably? enjoyed your football more, say, at Wimbledon than Melbourne Uni. No disrespect to the Muggers, but being, I guess, out of the AFL and its media spotlight, being away from that and just playing with friends, so to speak, at Wimbledon. Mm. Yeah, look, it does. It can get a bit consuming and get, get a bit too much. And when you're involved in it so much and your friendship groups are all involved in around it, it's, it is a great opportunity to kind of to get away from it and um, and kind of bring it back a little bit more to I guess the fun side of things and, and not taking yourself too seriously which I think some people some of us can get um too too involved with but um yeah no not taking away from either team both great experiences both um enjoyable so uh yeah I just I loved love both of them one player I just want to highlight in particular for the GB Swans <coughs> because she's due to come out to Melbourne and your thoughts on her Alex Salter uh, yeah, so I've um, been in constant contact with with Alex um, and just making sure she's she's going to be okay to kind of set herself up here. And she's she's done it all on her own. She's she's got herself sorted with a, a, a place to stay, and she's been in contact already. I think she's going to head down to uh, Melbourne Uni as well um, and start to have a, a run around and a trial down there with them and um, just really build on her skills. She's she's probably fire out the, the one that's that's most obsessed with with AFL she just loves the game 
she loves what it's all about. She, she's constantly posting and talking about photos and training and, and whatnot. So she's just um, she's just going to grow so much just from being out here in this, the environment where the, the facilities, the, the coaching staff, the girls that are around um, here for, for that winter season. She, her, her game's just going to grow in, in leaps and bounds. And just finally, you were talking a little bit earlier about getting older. Uh, for all of us, <laughs> at some stage, it comes along that the body says, no more, can't go on. For you, when it comes to that decision and its post-football career, uh, have you considered if you want to go into the coaching ranks in AFLW or even pick up the microphone and take on a media role? <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely... Uh been a thought of mine because I'm very realistic in that it's not going to last forever and um, may only last another a year or two um, if the body holds out. So I'm definitely looking into career aspects out of that. I'm currently a teacher at the moment, so I'm looking to kind of combine what I'm doing there and I, I, I love um, hanging out with the kids and teaching them. So definitely looking into getting something involved in, in the community and at the moment, um, yeah, I'm a Daughters of the West ambassador through um, through the Bulldogs and my great sponsors at City West Water are throwing heaps of different ideas around as well. So there's there's bits and pieces going on, but um, yeah, for the moment I'll just I'll be concentrating on football. As for the coaching side of things, um, it seems to be a natural path for for a lot of players, ex players, um, to go down, and that's probably um, not been a massive focus for me. Um, maybe in the junior ranks, but nothing nothing in the professional kind of standards. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of more about the, the growth of the game and the grassroots level, if anything. And just quickly, if I could just pick up on that uh, point you just mentioned about Daughters of the West, can you explain to our audience the Daughters of the West program? Yeah, so um, the Sons of the West program has been going for quite a long time. It's run through the uh, Community Foundation, through the Western Bulldogs, and they just uh, decided to, obviously, with the um, addition of the women's team, they've now gone with the Daughters of the West um, program. It's an eight-week program run uh, late last year for, for eight weeks, and um, it, was, it was a free uh, session uh, for two hours every every week. Uh, they had four locations around Melbourne in the western suburbs, uh, including Ballarat. Obviously, we got close ties with Ballarat as well. And myself and Emma Carney... Uh, yeah, we're, we're very happy to get involved as ambassadors for that program and um, just teaching women. Uh, there was an education component for the first hour and then for the second hour is a, a bit more of a health and well-being physical side of things. So um, got involved in that, got into a bit of cooking classes and uh, some Bollywood dancing and a bit of PT fitness sessions as well. So, um, yeah, myself and Emma, like, thoroughly enjoyed that experience and hopefully we can... Um, continue that and hopefully it rolls on again next or well, this year now 2018 and um and yeah bigger and better experience but um the women i spoke to and the, the ladies involved absolutely loved love that because i guess uh, think things happen families grow um things change and, and kids and whatnot and i think a little bit of, of kind of self-love is lost uh throughout that and so just a chance for the women to get out and have their own two hours to themselves, meet other women in the community and build those relationships. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the 2018 AFLW season. Yeah, cheers, Pete.
This is Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne, and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. Also available as a podcast via Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Our next guest we've spoken to a number of times before, whether she's wearing the hat as a player at the Wimbledon Hawks or with the England Vixens, the GB Swans, or in her role at AFL Europe trying to develop and grow women's football right across the continent. And she's taken that mission one step further. She's moved away from London and we now find her in Germany. It's great to have on the line Lisa Wilson from AFL Europe. Lisa, how are you? Yeah, great, thank you. Just sitting in a freezing cold Germany at the moment, though. That is the question. Why on earth are we speaking to you from Germany? What are you doing there? Well, well actually, um, I found myself in a, an AFL Europe relations after meeting a player on the German Eagles team, Um just over a year and a half ago, um, I moved over here to be with him, and so I'm now setting up women's foot, footy over here. I've heard a rumour that uh, you're going through a six-week crash course in learning the German language. Oh, yeah. No, I completed a, a four-week course before Christmas, and now it's, uh, yeah, all things go, I'm trying to learn it as quickly as I can. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite different. Now, when we spoke to you last year uh, when you were taking on your new role at AFL Europe as being a a women's development manager, you talk about wanting to spread the game past the UK and through the European continent. You're now set up with AFL Germany. What's the early work been like to get women's football up and going in Germany? Well, the good thing about trying to grow it here is that they've got a really well-structured men's league. So um, last year there was eight teams, but they just merged two of the teams that were um, in the same area in Stuttgart. So there's now seven teams, um, but they're really uh, strongly based, and so they will run. Um, they call it sometimes call them lightning rounds, where two two teams will go to one um, home ground and they'll play each other in sort of a mini tournament. And so that's a really nice setup to be able to run some women's ex- exhibition games. So. Um, what we've started doing really is we've just had a couple of girls been going down to sessions here in Hamburg, um, Berlin, Frankfurt, um, and this new Woodenberg giant team in, in Stuttgart. And um, what we will do is as soon as the men's fixtures have been fully released, we're going to schedule in some exhibition games at the same time as those those men's um, fixtures um, to, and try and get all the girls in Germany to come and play in those exhibition games so that next year we can hopefully uh, fit in either a three or four team official women's league alongside those men's um, teams. Excellent to hear. And out of those cities that are starting to uh, sow the seeds of a women's competition, where are you finding the most interest coming from? Um, Well, uh, we've had a couple of girls in Berlin contact us. Um, One is uh, an Australian girl who um, has recently, well, in March, she's moving over from Queensland, and I believe she played um, in an under-21 Queensland team. So she's actually of a very high quality, which is awesome. Um, And there's another girl who um, is also from Australia, and she's just spent a year playing in America. So really interesting backgrounds there. Um, But we've actually had a group of um, German girls um, starting in Stuttgart because one of the girls um, has been in Australia, brought an Australian boy back with her, and so he's gone down to the club, so she's joined him. So it's great to have that core of sort of native girls um, playing as well, as well as a combination of um, the expat Aussies. Um, 
so yeah, it's some strong. What what um, I'm always more keen to have is those girls that want to be leaders and then grow the team themselves. And we've already got some of those established, which is which is amazing. And what would you say the rough estimates are with numbers uh, across the whole competition of of women that have signed up and taken interest early? Uh, we did a bit of a, a look. We're only sort of sitting between twenty and thirty at the moment, um, with a handful in each of these cities, but. It's something that I'm sure you've understood from talking to everyone and just seeing it in Australia that it's really exponential. So if every one of those girls brings their sister or a friend or their flatmate, then those numbers rocket. And it's really early in the year. I mean, we're still sitting around one to five degrees in uh, in Germany. So once it starts getting a bit warmer, that's when we'll get more people down. Um, and yeah, I mean, 20, 20 to 30 is more than zero that there has been. So um uh, yeah, um, really promising sites. And what sports are you seeing them mostly cross over from? Uh, is it a, a typically a soccer background that these women are coming from? Well, this is what's absolutely amazing about uh, Germany and what I found out is that they play everything here um, and everybody is super sporty, um, especially from like a younger age. Um, and the biggest uh, sport that, I, that I've seen here in Hamburg is... Um, is handball. There's lots of um, uh, handball teams. So I've joined a handball, a handball team with the um, ideas of infiltrating and maybe bringing some of their players over to um, uh, Aussie football because their seasons are different. So the handball season's the, the winter here and ours is obviously summer here because it's too cold in the winter. Um, and yeah, it'd be great to get some handball players um, on board because they use quite a lot of body contact. Um, and the, yeah, the super super strong girls and really fit so that'd be uh, great to get some of those over um and then yeah as always the soccer background is quite a popular one and what tactics have you been using to try and get the marketing of the competition the word out there that these women's teams now exist well it's really early stages so at the moment it's mainly um word of mouth so what's great is that a lot of the guys at the teams in in the in the league at the moment are really enthusiastic about getting women on board. So a lot of uh, the interest comes from girlfriends of those players um, or flatmates, um, and that I've always found that to be the most important thing when growing the sport over here in in Europe is that if you've got the backing of the guys, they get really on board, and that's what helps you strong because <clears throat> get strong because you have that community between the men and the women. So at the moment, it's mainly been using that word of mouth um, and uh, on social media. But as soon as the uh, fixtures are fully released, we'll be looking at doing some taster sessions at these different cities and then contacting those those sport groups, so the handball teams, universities, um, and any soccer teams, and then trying to, to push push growth through these taster sessions. Um, so that's a bit of the plan, really. Coming up in April, it is the uh, AFL European Champions League. Uh, again in Amsterdam, and this time you're going to send the Hamburg Dockers on. <laughs> so I'm uh, anyone who'll know me will know I'm very ambitious when it comes to uh, setting up teams. So really, it's, when you when you set something up, you always want to have goals that you're striving for. So I spoke to well, obviously I'm part of AFL Europe. But I spoke to to Ryan, um, the general manager, and asked whether we could put a uh, Germany women's team in because it would be great to show that Germany are are going to be a you know a new contender. So um, 
we've got another three months or so to uh, keep recruiting, but we've already nearly got a full team from, from girls that are interested. And one of the awesome things about being based in Germany is that you have so many countries that you border. So Amsterdam for us isn't that far away. Um, uh, so uh, it's a great goal for us to have to go show that Germany are, are playing football and it will be paving the way hopefully towards the, the Euro Cup um, in October. And if I'm correct, the Euro Cup is being held in Germany this year. Unfortunately, um, the, that had to be withdrawn and we're just waiting a release of where the, the new location will be. So that would have been great, but um, unfortunately that didn't quite pan out as we would hope. Unfortunate to hear, but cross fingers, it can happen again in the near future. What's your plan to hopefully one day, uh, just besides the Euro to see a German side uh, not just make IC football, but at least take on an England or an Ireland or, what, or whatever it may be in an international? Well, quite interestingly, there was actually three German players on the European Crusaders International Cup team um, who are all residing in Australia at the moment. And um, they are one of the girls there has said she's going to help with, with recruitment. Um, and so with, with anything, as we've seen, the, the growth is exponential. So I do have my sights on um, Euro Cup this this year in October as as it's only a nine-a-side tournament. Really, you need a minimum 13, 14 players, which really is is should be okay to to come by looking at our first steps um so there's nothing saying really that we can't be in the international cup in uh, 2020 um but also uh, as i've got a good relationship with 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 gb and the uh, other other uh, countries they have expressed interest in development games so as with GB, we've always been quite a core amount of, you know, one team, but we're growing so quickly now that we've got lots more players that we want to try and develop. So it would be good to organise international games at a level where, one, we're growing the GB strength, but two, we're also showing that European community by trying to help out the other countries. So fingers crossed we get some fixtures set up um, soon and we all work closely with the other countries to hopefully grow at a, grow at the same rate. And also to show that it's a glamorous life as an AFL Europe Women's Development Manager. Uh, in your spare time, you're currently riding around as a Foodora bicyclist. Oh, I am indeed. So obviously moving to Germany with a not-so-great German, I needed to find some different job options. So I started with, with food delivery, which um, is, is great. I mean, I'm getting paid to do exercise, so <laughs> you can't complain too much. Um, and I've also just started a, a kindergarten, which um, perhaps could be my start of uh, pinching some players for Auskick if that's something I start to <laughs> in the near future. So, yeah, keeping all my options open. And also, as we spoke to earlier with Lauren Spark, it's great to see that one of your GB Swans is going to try and have a crack at making it in Australia. Alex Salter is uh, moving down to Melbourne. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so excited for her. She just wants to go over there and live and breathe footy for um, for a period of time, which is which is great for us because the more we can get people learning about uh, learning from the players in Australia and bringing back here, the better. And obviously, the more publicity that we can get. So, really stoked for her, and I'm sure she'll do do an amazing job over there. She's been training so hard for it.
And finally, just before we let you go, of course, for those overseas uh, via watch.afl, uh, they can catch all the action of the AFL women's competition. Who are you tipping to take out the 2018 AFLW flag? Oh, well, I've got two two friends that play on the two teams, so, you know, I can't, um, I don't like choosing between them. Um, but I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the doggies get it. Um, I've, you know, I've, when I started football, Sparky was always a big, big um, influence on me. And, you know, so I'd, I'd love to see her as part of a winning team. So Sparky to win, possibly in a grand final over Carlton, where, of course, the baby giraffe Kate Sheilor plays at. <laughs> oh, she's going to kill you for calling her that. <laughs> um, but that would be a fantastic final, yeah. And uh, although I think it was, um, it's amazing that Brisbane shone last year, um, and the, uh, the grand finals up there. It would just be awesome to have the grand final down in Melbourne. Well, Lisa, thank you very much for joining us here again at Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best in Germany as you try and set up the AFLG women's competition. Thank you. Thank you for your time. This weekend, it's anticipated that around 50,000 supporters will turn out to the New Perth Stadium to watch Fremantle take on Collingwood in round two of the AFL women's competition. This will set a new record for the highest attended women's Australian football match in this country. Well, let's find out what the buzz is like over in WA. Let's speak to a Fremantle supporter. Her name is Danae Gibson. You may know her from the Chicks Talking Footy podcast. You may have also remembered her voice from the International Cup 2017 coverage when she called some of the women's games. It's our privilege to have her on the line. Danae, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And just a quick question, where are you? It's a good question because I'm sitting in the car and I'm outside uh, the Fremantle Football Club, which is also a massive uh, recreational centre in Coburn that's spelt C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N. So you can imagine all the jokes that go with that. Uh, Fremantle Football Club moved their headquarters from right in the heart of Fremantle down the freeway, quite a bit south of, uh, of Frio, to Coburn. It's a little bit like St Kilda moving to Seaford. Uh, yeah, so I don't love the idea that the club's moved. In fact, I don't like it much at all. But I've got to go and sort out a few things uh, and watch the AFL women train tonight. So um, packed my lunch and a thermos and uh, I'm in the car ready to roll. And as we know, you're a Mad Fremantle supporter. And I guess in a way, that new facility was one of the reasons why the Dockers got the original nod over the Eagles to get the first women's footy licence in WA. Well, I don't have any inside information, uh, and surveillance, intelligence, gossip about why uh, Freo was more successful than West Coast. But I reckon you're right. I think the um, the West Coast Eagles are developing their headquarters at Laughlin, uh, so where the Perth Demons play in the WAFL. Um, and I don't know. I, I guessed I thought it would be West Coast, but I'm super happy it's Fremantle. Uh, one, because it's my team, and uh, two, it's nice for the West Coast Eagles not to get what they want for a change. Now, before we talk about this Saturday coming up, we'll just quickly touch on uh, Sunday just gone. Unfortunately, not a great start for the Fremantle Dockers. In fact, the first half is one I, I guess you'd like to forget. 
Oh, sorry, can't really hear you, Peter. Oh, <laughs> nice to talk to you. Got to go. Bye. Yeah, it was terrible. It was um, it was quite disheartening to watch that first half, uh, and the uh, the team came out and played a much better third quarter. Uh, that must have been a howling gale to uh, kick. Um, three goals with the breeze in the third, but yeah, they were completely outclassed in the first half, and uh, it was—I've um, forgotten what it's like to have to watch a game on telly and not be at the venue. So it was—it um, was pretty hard to to swallow on Sunday. Wasn't the greatest day for uh, a Perth-based uh, sports lover because um, the women, Perth Scorchers, lost the WBBL final earlier in the day. So yeah, it was pretty miserable Sunday. Thanks, Pete. Not to try and rub that in, but just trying to relay what happened. But one thing I guess um, we do need to point out uh, for Fremantle, you, you haven't had a great start to the season because we know late last year, Kirby Bentley had the ACL. Yeah. Um, Callie Gibson with a hip flexor out of all injuries. Yep. And then unfortunately, Kiara Bowers, who looked like she was going to yeah. come back, she missed out from having an ACL the previous season. She was still a while away. It's just one of those things, I guess, for Fremantle. A, you can't get your best side out in the park. And B, as we know on record, your best half dozen or so players are in other states. Exactly. You know, I was just writing up for the footy almanac, um, pretty much those points, Pete. Uh, I'd been down to training a few times and watched Kara Bowers, and she was looking fantastic. Uh, and I was really surprised that her comeback has has uh, hit a snag, so I'm really disappointed because I hope it's not, a, you know, a longer term. Although with a seven-week season, you don't need to miss too many weeks for it to be completely, um, you know, have a huge impact uh, and, yeah, Kirby, one of our favourite players um, going down in the state of origin disaster. And then Kelly Gibson was looking really good, I thought, in the scratch match in Adelaide. And also um, uh, B Devlin has, uh, is out as well. So the depth at, at Fremantle is just not as as deep as, um, I guess, the hype leading into the inaugural season would have had it. Uh, you know, I would love to have Sabrina Frederick talk for uh, playing for us or uh, Chelsea Randall would go all right, I reckon, uh, in the midfield at Frio too, just to name a couple. And I know she was a Tasmanian, but Jess Wurgeny can throw in there, the Ruck and Emma King, uh, uh, Slicer and uh, Edwards. Yeah, there are many obviously scattered all around the country. But let's focus on what's happening for this Saturday because history could be made with the highest recorded Australian football uh, attendance for a women's football match. They reckon around 40,000 tickets have already been sold. I think the record sits at 41,000, so we look like we could break that at the New Perth Stadium this Saturday. Well, you know, it's a one, uh, it's a two-team town in terms of Fremantle and West Coast playing uh, AFL in in Perth, but uh, it's a one newspaper town. So you can imagine that uh, the Perth Stadium has been pretty much front cover, back cover, um, and an insert uh, for some time now. I was uh, away from most of the building of the stadium, and to be quite frank, it's not entirely finished. Uh, There's a footbridge that uh, needs to be finished, and that won't happen until May. And I think there might be um, some uh, touches inside the venue uh, that need finishing as well. Uh, I haven't been there yet. Um, there's been a couple of first um, uh, games uh, of other other sorts, but uh, if there is 43,000 
in attendance on Saturday, and that's the last figure I'd heard. Um, I can't verify that, but that's the last figure I'd heard. Uh, that will um, be a record that goes back a long way. I'm sure there's some um, bizarre wartime record of uh, uh, a huge crowd watching women play footy um, back in the 40s. Does that ring bells to you, Peter? Yes, it does. In Adelaide, it was a charity football match. Uh, in yeah. when when the Sandfell wasn't on for that weekend, so I'm not quite sure what charity they would have been raising for. Probably something to do with the wartime effort. I'm imagining yeah. being forty one thousand, but uh, yes, uh, for for that uh, particular one off event, forty around forty one thousand showed up at Adelaide Oval to watch a women's football you, match. You know, I need to get into um, my copy of Play On by Brunette. Brunette Lenkich and uh, Rob Hess, but it's uh, in storage because I still haven't quite settled from the move back uh, back home to Perth. But I'm really looking forward to the first game, uh, Fremantle-Collingwoods. Uh, there was only a point the difference last year when they played in Mandurah. Um, and, gosh, what a difference 12 months makes. Um, uh, who knows what the result will be, but the, the crowd will be there in great numbers. Now, you've been talking about, obviously, a one-newspaper town uh, being Perth. What has been the media, even in the early stages of this week uh, going up to the game, have we seen the Fremantle players being thrown under uh, every radio station, every radio program, TV show? What's the media coverage been like hyping up this event? Well... You know, in in a strange way, I'm not the best person to ask. I work for a community radio station, RTRFM, we're the sound alternative, and so we're not commercial radio. Um, I've I've had a spot on uh, ABC uh, local radio talking sport with um, their breakfast crew. Um, they're very excited. Uh, I haven't uh, uh, actually seen a lot of mainstream radio uh, and TV coverage. Um, I'm hoping that the coach and players are everywhere uh, because it's uh, an ideal opportunity to to promote uh, the league, the competition and the club. Um, I, I should do some clippings and send it back to you, Pete. I know that our house is super excited that I've convinced everyone that I work with and pretty much personally know that they should be part of that 43,000 no matter what. Is one part that adds to the event that because everyone's paying $2 to get in, and that's mainly for booking fees and a bit going to charity as well, is that people have in their hand a physical ticket to be able to say, because everyone loves keeping little pieces of history to say, I was at this first football game at this stadium. Yeah, I reckon there's a little bit of that. Um, there weren't many opportunities. You you might remember last year, uh, Fremantle played um, Brisbane, at Fremantle Oval would have been beautiful day, and that was um, I think round two and or round three, and there were ten or twelve thousand there. That's capacity. Um, then they played Collingwood in Mandurah, and they played Carlton. The only win for Fremantle last year, the first win of the club, uh, was at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon at Subiaco Oval, and literally no one could go. I mean, it would be family and friends only because 3pm just doesn't work for anyone. Subi's pretty much in the CBD of of Perth. And I, I was cranky. I'm still cranky about it, actually. But this is, you're right, you've got a, a ticket in your hand. It's the first game of Aussie Rules football at this brand new gazillion dollar stadium, which is going to be quite fabulous. 
or just another bowl stadium, depending on how you look at it, uh, are playing a, a traditional club uh, and a great opportunity. Saturday afternoon, 4.10. Um, see, I'm getting more excited thinking about it, just saying that, you know. Um, I'm hoping the players uh, will, will lift both teams uh, and that we'll get a really good game. Do you think there might be just that slight opportunity that the Dockers can take the game despite the loss last week, knowing you're going up against a Collingwood side who also weren't all that flash on the weekend? Yeah, I I think they both had patches of play. I didn't think Collingwood were were as bad as the scoreline in, in parts of their play. But, yeah, we had uh, – Fremantle had great chunks of – of play where they just seem to go missing and that the disposal and the hanging on to marks was um, was not great. It, it was a tough day at the office if the office is sitting on your couch watching the footy. Now, today, just before I let you go, of course, you're getting all excited for this Saturday, but you're on <laughs> Chicks Talking Footy on the podcast. Can you give us a little hint of what you might be talking about when people want to download this latest episode? Uh, no. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't remember. There's always a couple of interviews. Uh, it, it'll be a wrap of AFLW round one. There might be a sneaky special announcement coming soon, and there'll be a preview of AFLW round two. That's really vague. Sorry, Pete. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, it is only Tuesday, and... Um, Things will be finalised uh, tomorrow morning. And just quickly, where can people download that podcast from? So go straight to joy.org.au and search chicks. We'll come up. Well, Danae, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy and enjoy the day on Saturday, this history-making game when Fremantle hosts Collingwood at the new Optus Stadium, the first ever women's football match to be played there and possibly the highest attended women's football match in this country. Thanks, Pete. I'll wave to you. I'll be the one in purple. Danae Gibson there from the Chicks Talking Footy podcast. You're listening to Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne and the RSN Racing and Sport app and available as a podcast on Thursday mornings via Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Time to find out what's happening in South Australia because running parallel with the AFL women's competition this year is the Sandford women's competitions extended from four teams to six teams. We spoke to the Sturt Football Club last week. We've got our Adelaide reporter on the line to give us not only a rundown of how the Sandford women's competition went this week, but just a quick little insight from a Crows supporter about how the weekend was. They unfurled their premiership flag and that's all the joy that they had as they were done by the Brisbane Lions. We've got Alison Schiller from the Two Crows podcast joining us. Alison, thanks for uh, making some free time to join us here at Girls Play Footy. And not much, I guess, for Crows supporters to take away from that game at Norwood on the weekend. No, the only thing I got out of that game was sunburnt, I'll be brutally honest with that. Oh, the, the premiership flag-raising ceremony was really nice. But, um, yeah, it dropped off pretty quickly after that, unfortunately, for the girls. The big one, of course, for the game was Aaron Phillips was the late omission joining Courtney Cramey. They were both confirmed out for that round one clash. And it seemed to show, it seemed for the Adelaide Crows, there just wasn't that link-up player. There just wasn't that fluent movement from half-back to wing to half-four to attack. No, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, if you add into that also um, two other premiership players, McCormick and Holmes were also out as well. There's four top-end players that it was always going to be tough, but I didn't think it would be that tough, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, the link-up, we couldn't get our hands on the ball in the centre. 
um, uh, to Brisbane's credit, they really held the ball up well. They marked well and um, hit their lead-up targets quite nicely. Mind you, when you've got someone like Sabrina standing there, that lead-up target's a lot easier to hit too. Who actually had the job on Sabrina because she took 10 marks and seemed to just dominate any time yeah. the ball went near her? Yeah, well, um, Anne Hatchard started off on her and um, Hatchie, she had the height over her so she could just, didn't matter where Hatchie stood, she could get hold of the ball. Then I saw Foley had a go um, and then later on in the game, young Jess Allen, first gamer, 18-year-old Jess Allen had a shot on her. Um, she managed a few spoils in there and I reckon if the game had gone any longer, Peter, I reckon it would have been my turn to stand Sabrina and that, that wouldn't have been good. <laughs> Calling for volunteers out of the crowd. And, talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. and talking about the crowd, uh, official attendance, just over 11,000 there at Norwood Oval. Yeah, it was very nice. Considering the heat um, and everything else, it was actually, it was it's a great. Norwood Oval was really, really good. Um, as I said, the sun trying to find a bit of shade there because there was a SNFL game on beforehand. So... Yeah, you were, you were put out in there for a while, but it's a great ground to watch a game of footy. Well, that's a very good question because last year at the games were shared between Thebiton Oval and Norwood Oval. From your point of view, um, which ground do you enjoy more? Norwood's only 20 minutes from where I live. <laughs> There's a personal bias there, but um, accessibility, I suppose. Thebiton's actually a good oval to watch as well, but obviously the decision was made to um, move it over to Norwood. And a lot of people then, you've got a lot of facilities before and after the game because it's right on the parade at Norwood. Um, tons of people can just mill on in and there's things to do before and after the game as well. So I think that that makes it a big winner. And the numbers, 11,000 speak for itself. It seems crazy to say, but the reigning premiers could be in serious trouble already because we play this short seven-round season. They've lost to the team they beat in the grand final last year, Brisbane. Now they're coming up against the team they beat for second spot last year to make the grand final, that being the Melbourne Football Club at Casey Fields this Saturday. Yeah, win a win a chicken dinner there, hey. Um, yes, and I think, to be brutally honest, against the Lions, the two kicks flattered us. Um, and if they'd kicked a bit straighter, it would have made, it, made the pain even worse for me and for the Adelaide Crows. But... Uh, Melbourne is a bit of a do-or-die game. I know it's only the second game in, but we need to be able to stamp, put our stamp down and just prove we're not a one-hit wonder, especially with the ilk of Phillips and a big one for me as well as Courtney Cramey out of the side. But hopefully bringing in McCormick and um, maybe Holmes as well um, should add a bit more depth to the side. But uh, Melbourne in Melbourne, I think it's going to be a pretty tough ask. And just again confirming for listeners that uh, Phillips and Cramey have been ruled out for round two. Phillips with the quad, Cramey with the yep. hamstring. And as you said, you're going up against Melbourne and the Darabin midfield mafia in Daisy Pierce, <laughs> Melissa Hickey, Aliso Day and Karen Paxman. Yeah, and midfield was barely an issue against Brisbane, was it? Oh, so that could be um, quite awkward there. I mean, the best for Adelaide on the day, obviously Captain Courageous herself, Rambo Randall, um, got in about everything she could, but she can't play three ends of the ground at once. So, but Van Hagen, I thought, played really well. Um, followed up there, Marinoff and Foley played their parts as well. But I think the best thing that we got out of the game was seeing young Eloise Jones with a bit of toe and grace putting the ball through for a goal and Ruth Wallace following on from her fantastic goal in the trial match, popping one through and taking a great saving mark too and Brisbane won the march with the ball. So... Yeah, it has to be all stand up and notably one of those people missing from the goals there was one Sarah Perkins 
And now I can't think for the life of me, and I do apologise to the Brisbane girl that stood her, um, but she did an absolutely brilliant job. Lee Kasler. Um, what was her name, sorry? Lee Kasler. Uh, that's the one. Um, although she did try and trip Perko right at the beginning of the game on the square. She kept putting her foot behind her and pushing her, which ended up with her on her um, backside, not Perkins. So that was one thing we got to laugh at. So that was a good uh, amusement. And I think Caitlin Ashmore also wanted to have a go with Dana Cox in the defence line. But I don't know if Caitlin didn't realise, but uh, Dana Cox loves to get a little bit of living Newton John physical. And um, in the end, it resulted in a free kick to Dana. So that was another thing that at least amused us while the carnage was going on on the field. Let's have a look at some more positive news for SA Women's Footy. Sandfield W also kicked off uh, this weekend. An expanded competition with South Adelaide and Sturt in the competition. And Souths hosted the first game for 2018 on Friday night. Yes, so the Panthers are getting the um, claws and teeth out straight away. And I actually was able to go to this game. So we got Chrissy Steen, the coach there, moved over from Adelaide Uni. And the Panthers put on, I must admit, um, hats off to them all there. They put on a wonderful show. They had about, they reckon, about a thousand people there for their first ever game for the women's team, and um, they didn't disappoint. Taking account of Glenelg's thirty-four to six, so the goal kickers there we had Molly McKendrick Lamar, as I shall call her, uh, Bennett Hammond, and the Powerade. Now they've got a technical term here. She's sort of like the rising star, but Hannah Monyard. Um, got through for the round one Powerade Breakthrough Player nomination as well. So congratulations to her. Um, but South went about it. They, they got the foot on the pedal straight away, kicking 2-3 in the first to Glenelg Zip, um, and then just slowly continued on. And Paul Glenelg couldn't even get a goal. They kicked six points, but they had a few chances in there. Uh, best there for Glenelg, I really like Brianna Walling, the Crows rookie. Um, she's small but mighty and wasn't afraid to take things on. But the best players there for South Adelaide were Housen, Munyard, Hammond, Silky, Buchanan and Captain Christy Harvey. So um, they'll be playing on next week back at Hickenbottom Oval. But yeah, congratulations to the Panthers and um, onward and upwards there from them. Final scores 5-4-34 to 6 behind South Adelaide defeating Glenelg. Uh, Westies hosted Sturt and Sturt were making their debut in the Sandfell W. Yeah, so we've got two debut teams being Sturt and the Panthers, and I think people might have thought that Sturt might have um, had a little bit more to take care of the uh, West Adelaide, but it was actually the other way around down at City Mazda Stadium where West Adelaide made it actually look easy in the end, um, 50-20. to 20. And Sturt got on the board with a goal. It started off quite even at the end of the first quarter, and then Westies just slowly pulled away and the third quarter's where they did their most damage, adding an extra three goals and continued on in their merry way to, to take out the game. Uh, the goal kickers Westies were Solomon, Evans, Rich, Tab and Mason. Their best players are Ali Evans, Solly, Hooper, Martin, Lowry and Smith. Uh, the goal kickers for Sturt, we had Taylor and Bakara Palmer, the Crows rookie, snapped in there for a goal and Schultz. Best players were Foley, uh, Gunny Gundlach out from the Salisbury Magpies, Swanson, Rigter, Hoyle and Bamford. So uh, they'll also be playing again uh, next week and, as we'll mention later, again at the bottom oval. And I sh- should point out the score, 7-8, 50-3, 220, a 30-point win to West Adelaide and a little footnote 
to go with that story as well. Some may have seen online over the last day or two about a renaming of a West Adelaide side. Now, this is to avoid confusion. There's now West Adelaide Sandford W, which has been in existence for a year at senior women's level. Prior to that, for the last few years, there was also West Adelaide, same colours, same ground in the old Sawfall, now the Adelaide Footy League competition. That mm-hmm. West Adelaide is now rebranded as Fitzroy, joining the community oh. club. So they've... They were training at Fitzroy last year. Now they're becoming mm-hmm. Fitzroy. So the West Adelaide that's now Fitzroy is the Adelaide Footy League team. That's separate from what the West Adelaide Sanford W team that was created last year is. Hopefully that avoids confusion. You, you are a font of information. And then, are, <laughs> I'm going to call you Google from now on because you got, you got all the answers there. I like that. I like that a lot, Peter. The grand final rematch was the curtain raiser to the AFLW game at Norwood and North Adelaide. Yes, uh, same result, but a bit more space in between those final scores, unfortunately for North Adelaide, with Norwood making it easily accountable, uh, 43 to 19. Norwood just put the foot down, got a couple goals on the board, kept North Adelaide goalless until the third quarter, and then Norwood just ticked away, kicking a couple, and if both teams had, uh, both teams had kicked straight, they still would have had the same result, to be brutally honest. They had the same amount of points at the end of the day. But Mariana Ratchich um, from the... It sounds like a gun cotton, doesn't it, Ratchich? But anyway, uh, Mariana, she put on a fantastic showing for Norwood. You see why the Crows were keen to pick her up. And um, on that form alone, she might even get a call-up next week because there's a much-needed power coming through there for the Crows. But also there, the goal kickers, Brown, Fitzgerald and Reed, um, Ratchich is best player, Fenton Brown, um, Aliso Day cutting... And Monique Collick at X-Crow also getting in the best players there for Norwood. For North Adelaide, we had uh, Rosenswy and Allen. Uh, that's Paige Allen for another one from the Salisbury Magpies. Not to be confused with the Allen sisters uh, that play for the Crows. Best players there for North Adelaide were Ward, Ellis, Reynolds and Rosenswy again. So the end there was 6743 for Norwood to 2719 for North Adelaide. But uh, Norwood making it look easy at their home ground. And let's have a look ahead to round two. Now, I believe that all three games are being played on the same ground on Sunday. Yes, we have a triple header, a triple treat, if you like. Um, to start the game off, we've got Panthers versus Sturt. So both new teams are going to give it a go at Hickenbottom Oval at 12pm. Followed up by North Adelaide and Glenelg. So it'll be interesting to see where these guys sit um, after both being beaten by their respective sides uh, last weekend. And then I think this will be quite interesting one considering how Westies went against uh, just to see where they're at when they take on Norwood uh, at 3.30pm. So um, get down there, support the statewide Super Women's League and um, get all three games into you and, and really enjoy the grassroots of women's football. And if you can't make it along to it, go to sandfield.com.au. Scroll down to the right where you see Sandfield TV, and that's where they stream or at least upload the replays to all the games so you can uh, sit back, watch, and enjoy. Yes, I believe they actually did stream them as well on the weekend there. So absolutely fantastic that they've got that as well. So if anyone like Peter said, if you can't get there, you can at least get the games live. And, that, and they have the replays available on the SANFL website. And just before we let you go, Ali, is the Two Crows podcast back? Yes, it is back. It is back. We um, just have to record the first episode for that. So, yes, we've got all our, the um, the hiccups that we were having have been ironed out and we'll be good to go shortly. So I will let you know 
uh, when we've got the first episode up. We'll get that out through the old Twitter sphere. Um, except this time, the accessibility will be through YouTube. So we're making sure we can get all our Android customers as well. Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. All the very best for your Crows this week against Melbourne. And we look forward to catching up with you next week for a little more info on the Crows and how the Sandfield W competition's going. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. Well, that wraps up Girls Play Footy for yet another week. Just before I go, a friendly reminder for all the latest women's footy news, go to girlsplayfooty.com. Great in-depth articles there, plus our preview of round two as we get closer to the weekend. And our match reports come out literally seconds after the final siren. So for all the latest women's footy news first, go to girlsplayfooty.com. And don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you follow our Twitter account, during when the matches are live, we give you a blow-by-blow account of what happens and sometimes some funny gifts or images along the way just to keep you amused. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company, and it's bye for now.